welcome to Board Game Famous, the board gaming podcast that chronicles two brothers and some friends on their way to board game fame. I'm your host, David, and I'm joined, as always, with my co-host, Jesse. Hey, y'all! Or should I say howdy, howdy? Oh, ooh, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> ooh, you might have noticed we're missing one of our friends slash brothers today, so we'll say howdy, howdy for him. Howdy, howdy! What a cowboy intro. <laughs> <laughs> we start, as always, with, hey, Jesse. What you been playing? I'm not sure I've ever started that way, actually. That no, <laughs> this is the first. This is the first. It's a Jesse and David exclusive episode. Um, what have I been playing? I've been playing not very many games lately because life has been really, really busy since the new year has started. Most recently, other than playing Gloomhaven with my group, I got to play Bubbly Pop with my eight-year-old niece, and it was awesome. Ooh. Bubbly Pop is a 2016 game designed by Gregory Oliver and published by Banky's Editions, and it's a game where you save little bubblies on your planet by grouping them with their friends. David, have you ever played those games on your phone? Like, I don't know, say any generic match three game where you have to get three of the same thing in a row and then they go poof. Oh, so like Bejeweled? Yes, it's like Bejeweled or Candy Crush or anything like that, except it's like on a board game format. And what's really neat about it is you're going head to head with an opponent. So whenever you pop some bubblies, depending on what color they are, they have a special power that can sometimes benefit you or sometimes attack your opponent. I was unrelenting against my eight-year-old niece. Playing to win. (laughs) I sent bubblies soaring down from the sky on her, and I sent bubblies from my side of the board to her, and I attacked her and swapped her bubblies, and uh, I completely devastated her. I'm just kidding. I didn't devastate her, but I sure won. And it felt good. This is another (laughs) instance of playing to win that it's just, ugh, you destroyed your eight-year-old niece and you still slept that night? (laughs) I love her so much. She's so great. And she had a lot of fun. She she picked up on it really quick and my housemate was watching us play and he was like, oh, that looks really cool. So later that night when I came home, he and I played three games of it. (laughs) Uh, So David, what have you been playing lately? Well, in our Discord channel, we've been talking a lot about an upcoming Stonemeyer game called Expeditions. Uh, it's going to be the sequel to Scythe. There's been a lot of information out about it. We've, we've been chatting a lot about it, so it's, it, it's getting us excited. And it got me to the point where I was like, I haven't played Scythe in ages, so I finally got Scythe to the table. My uh, my in-laws were in town, so Grandma got to watch Matilda as uh, Grandpa, Ellen, and I all played uh, around a Scythe. It was a ton of fun. This is... An action selection. I think I think BGG lists it as worker placement. I disagree with that. It's definitely action selection on your little board. You have four options. You take your top action, then you take your bottom action. And it's just, it's such a smooth, streamlined gameplay about area control, area denial, and getting your stars on the board, taking over territory. It's so much fun. It's in the top 100. I think it's recently knocked out of the top 10. So it, it's 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 way up there. It's really well regarded. It's probably my favorite Stonemeyer game. Yeah, it's just excellent. And it was so much fun to get back to the table. But I, I'd agree that it's also my favorite Stonemeyer and one of my favorite, one of my top five games for sure. This isn't really the gameplay related, but my brother got me a 3D printed coin sorter for Christmas for sci- the Scythe coins. And it works so well. Like, I was so excited about how well it worked. It it just keeps all your coins together. It's so easy to take them out and put them back in. Oh, man, I'm going to try and get some of those for all of my games now. 
That's awesome. Yeah, 3D printing is a game changer for little upgrades to your games. Uh, one of my friends printed me little baskets for my Everdell, like twigs and resin and things like that, which is really a nice addition. I have something similar to that. And then I also 3D printed uh, little birdhouses to replace the wooden cubes and wingspan. I love that. <laughs> I asked my friend who's got, he's got, he's the one with the 3D printer. And I was like, hey, can you print these in the player colors? He's like, you'll, you'll get the player, you'll get the colors that I have. And I was like, well, I need yellow, purple, red, green, and blue. I was like, I have all those colors. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I also haven't been playing too many games lately, I guess. We need to play more games. Now it's time for Game of the Fortnight, the part of the podcast where we hold one game above all others, at least for the next two weeks. And this Fortnight, we're talking about Dice Forge. Dice Forge is a 2017 game designed by Régis Bonasset and published by Libelude Games. It is a game in which you get to constantly upgrade your dice to make them better, which is pretty cool. The dice have swappable faces. Lego style. Yeah, it's that is the most satisfying thing about this game to me is that on your turn, you get to either upgrade your dice or perform a heroic feat in the form of acquiring a card. And I think just pulling off the little dice faces and then putting new ones on just feels really satisfying. Yeah, and you're rolling your dice every turn and not just every your turn, every turn. So you're always getting some resources you're trying to get your sunshine your moonlight to fight off the to pull off the heroic feats to fight the monsters you're collecting coins trying to get that uh that massive point die face that costs 12 money i think it gives you four points when it shows up how do you how do you feel about dice forge um i think it's a really nice game i feel like the theme is a little pasted on i'm not gonna lie i the first time i played this was on board game arena so i didn't read the full rules and i didn't know like the story behind it or whatever i just like muddled around and figured it out there's a story <laughs> yeah apparently you are like trying to impress the gods and you're trying to win their favor and you're giving them gold so that they'll bless your divine dice and make them better yeah, I didn't I didn't get any of that. I was just like, I'm making my dice better and I'm getting these cards that give me victory points. So I felt like the theme is just kind of it's just kind of there on the side. But I, I love the gameplay of this. I love the tight decisions that you have to make in what cards or heroic feats you acquire and which dice faces you acquire, because there are limited dice faces at each at each value. And once they're gone, they're gone. So if someone else gets that two sun shards face before you do well you're out of luck <laughs> dice forge is probably the game that has grown on me the most because the first time i played it i actually hated it didn't like it at all uh, and, and the reason for that is i'm used to playing dominion or deck builders where you buy a new card you are guaranteed to see that card at some point in your deck. You'll shuffle through, you will see that card. Dice Forge is different. You have to have a different mindset when playing it because you can buy a new dice face, replace it on one of your die, and then never see it in the game ever because you're just rolling the dice hoping that it shows up. Now, you roll the dice so much, it's likely to show up a few times as as if you would put a card in your deck, but it's, it's possible that you never see it and... I think I think uh, that aggravated me quite a bit the first time I played. It just took half the game for me to see the die face I replaced first. Once I got over that hump of 
that's not that kind of game. It's it's different. It's it's a it's a lucky game. It's it's a luckier game in the core mechanism at least. It it's a lot of fun. There's something just viscerally pleasing rolling dice that often. You roll the dice at the start of your turn. You get cards that let you re-roll dice. You roll your dice on everybody else's turns. If you performed a heroic feat that somebody else wants to go to, they bump you off, you roll your dice. Hooray! (laughs) Just fun. It's just pure fun. I think it's really nice that there are some cards that can help mitigate that luck. Um, For instance, there's one card you can get that at the start of your turn, you can just choose, I want one fire crystal, or I want one moon crystal, or I want one gold. And so just being given options of buying a card like that fairly early on can help mitigate for those of us who tend to roll poorly, raising (laughs) those unlucky ones of us. (laughs) Uh, I I tend to go for cards like that pretty early on. Yeah, those mitigation ones are really good. And then, then... There's a bunch of cards that give you that let you choose your path to victory. There are cards that let you turn gold into points. Uh, that and then then most of the cards are split between sun shards or moon. So depending on how you load your dice, you can kind of navigate your way through the through the cards that are available at the time. It does have a bit of that that dominion feel where there's a set amount of cards out available. And the base set comes with just a few you can mix and match, not too many. But the gameplay is mostly about the dice, not not the cards. So I, I, I think that it, it avoids that Dominion pitfall of being all about the cards. There is an expansion for Dice Forge. It's not necessary. It is very much a pass unless you just absolutely love Dice Forge. If it's your absolute favorite game, I would get it. I have it currently, but I'm going to get rid of my copy. Because I just, I never play with it. When I play Dice Forge, I just, I play with what's in the base box. What does the expansion add? It adds, um, it adds a little labyrinth track that you can, it adds, and new dice faces that add, give you movement through this labyrinth. And when you make it to certain spaces, you get rewards. It's fiddly. It's very small tokens that you have moving through this labyrinth. So if you bump it, you could like, lose everybody's place. It's not bad. It's just unnecessary. Is how I would describe it. Kind of a lateral move, and you don't need to spend your money on a lateral move. I heard that. Any other things I want to say about Dice Forge? We're rocketing through this. This is going to be a short episode. <laughs> I was thinking that same thing. It plays It plays really fast. It's easy to learn. I think it's really flown under the radar. It, it made quite a... It made a little bit of a splash when it first came out, because it's the replacing Dice Faces. I really don't see it anywhere nowadays. It's just, it's not one of those games that has lasted, but, you know, I, I think it's worthwhile. Yeah, it's definitely a game worth playing and one that, while I wouldn't want to play it, like, every night or anything, I'd definitely see it on my shelf and be like, I'd like to play Dice Forge tonight. There's a reason I'm getting rid of the expansion, but just the expansion, not Dice Forge itself. Yeah, Dice Forge is staying in my collection for the foreseeable future. There's actually a funny story how it came into my collection. Uh, we got it at Geekway for the play and wins. So, Ellen, my wife, won it. In the play and win, we didn't play it. Oh, and at this time, I still did like I didn't like the game. Still, like this was I had played it two or three times. I was like, that's not for me. And then Ellen's like, Ellen's like, I won this game. I've never heard of it. I was like, oh, oh, you'll probably like this. (laughs) (laughs) So how did she win it if she didn't play it? Somebody was a digital entry, so you type names in. So somebody must have typed her name in. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Because you can you can add other players to your play, so somebody added her, and it's it's been in our collection ever since. Yeah, shout out to that random person who mistyped 
the actual person they were going for got us a free game. I appreciate that. You're the real hero. (laughs) So, David, I guess what it comes down to is, do you award Dice Forge, the board game famous gold star, and how do you rate Dice Forge? I do, I do think I give it the gold star. Like I said, this is the game that's grown on me the most. There's something in there that's definitely worth coming back to over and over again to the point where I was like, it turned me around from not really caring for it to, oh, this is a charming small game. I really like this. So I would, I would give it the board game famous gold star and I would probably rate it around a 7.5, which is my sweet spot. You know, that's, that's the rating I'm looking for on board game geek before I buy a game. 7.5. Oh, that's, that's real good. I saved the eights and up for like some of my favorites, <laughs> but Dice Forges, it's survived a lot of board game callings in my collection, and I don't see it leaving anytime soon. Jesse, do you award Dice Forge, the board game famous gold star? I don't know. I'm really on the fence about this one. I like this game a lot. I think it's a lot of fun. If I'm thinking about it, is it, the, is it its best in class? On Board Game Geek, there are only six games that have die face swapping as a mechanism, so if I'm considering it that kind of game only, then I think it is the best of that type of game. It's the highest rated among those, and who's ever heard of the other ones? I can name two of the <laughs> What are the other ones? Well, I can name two of the others. So there's Rattlebones. <laughs> yep. Rattlebones, which didn't go anywhere. <laughs> and then um, that one that just came out, Dice Realms. So I can name half of them. <laughs> That's impressive, actually. I've never played or heard of any of those others, at least that I can remember. So this game felt really unique to me in that sense. But if we're thinking of it as part of the category of like deck building and bag building, I don't know if it's as strong when you compare it to some of those other games in that genre that we love. You have to listen to my arguments. You cannot think of it as a deck builder because you will not get, you may not see some of those die faces. Fair enough. It is a very small but important distinction. Fair enough. I think I will award the gold star if only because I don't want to be labeled as stingy. I think it's a very good game and it's, it's so unique and different from anything else I've ever played. It's a, a super fun game. I would put it slightly higher than you did. I'd maybe put it at a 7.7. I think it's a game that I would like to play, especially if someone else suggested it, and I might suggest it sometimes. And now it's time for Brother Talk, the part of the podcast where we talk about whatever we feel like. And this week, what we feel like talking about is... Can you get too good at a game? Yeah, so last podcast I talked about how I was playing Everdell on the app all the time. It's so good. It's my favorite game. I can now play it anywhere. And that ever and I can. And I, I'm normally playing it in bed, but I mean anywhere is still <laughs> still possible. But am I gonna get too good at the game? I just finished all of the challenges. Another friend of mine downloaded the app and he has yet to beat me now because I've been playing it non-stop and if you get to that point in a game people just stop playing games with you at that at least in my experience maybe maybe some of you uh out there realize that you're just you're just the best at board games and people are playing for second <laughs> you know we all have that friend who you know you're not gonna win if you play with them so do you have any do you have any games that you think you're too good at that no one wants to play games with you 
Uh, I don't know, David. I don't know if I've ever been too good at a game. (laughs) I'd say in general, a lot of people want to avoid playing word games with me because I at least (laughs) used to be very good at them. English teachers have a distinct advantage when it comes to word games. I used to be really, really good at spelling and knowing complex vocabulary words that would set me ahead in those kinds of games. But the last time I played paperback, I misspelled words and made so many mistakes and felt really (laughs) dumb. So I don't know if I'm as good as I used to be at word games, but I won't play games like Scrabble with my friends anymore. Only with my mom. Oh man, you should play with my mom. She's friggin' loves Scrabble. (laughs) What would happen if our moms played Scrabble together? I, I don't know. Is Does your mom love Scrabble? Is she super competitive like you? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so during the COVID times, mom and Randy would play two games every night. They would play Scrabble. And then I think they played Rummy was the other game. And mom would always win at, win at Scrabble and Randy would always win at Rummy. So <laughs> I think it's safe to say mom can beat most people at Scrabble. But I'm sure you would say your mom can also beat most people at Scrabble. No. <laughs> no 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 <laughs> i mean she's not bad at scrabble she's really good she can beat me at scrabble uh, mostly because i think scrabble's fine the scrabble dictionary's garbage <laughs> uh but she always plays against my brothers who, who regularly beat her uh getting off topic though <laughs> so you don't think you've ever gotten too good at a game i, I mean i i know i have I've gotten too, so good at certain games that I've had to get rid of them because no one will play them with me. No, I don't I don't think I've ever gotten to that point. But also, I have a real problem with getting rid of games. So they just accumulate on the shelves. And then I look at them <laughs> and say, I wonder what that game was like. So you need to teach me how to do this culling thing. Maybe this should be a future episode where you like, or this should be bonus content. Like we should fly you out to my house and pay you to get rid of all my board games. Oh, I mean, I'll definitely take you up on that, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I can marry Kondo your, your collection. <laughs> so I guess we could take this another way, then. Are there games that you don't mind losing so much that you just come back to them over and over? So you're, you're the other side of that coin. Yes, but I have to think about what... Let me turn that question back to you, David. What what games do you not mind losing? Oh, no, I'm going to do the I'm gonna do the, uh, the original question. What, okay. what games am I too good at? <laughs> what games are you too good at? So... I was thinking about this, the the types of games that I'm really good at, and two of the games that came to mind that seem a little unrelated is Cryptid and Set. I'm really good at those because I'm really good at pattern recognition, I guess. Those games are just the way my brain works. Uh, set, you're looking for a set of three cards that have all have different characteristics on them based on number, shape, the shade, and the color. And you're trying to find a set of three cards that either have each characteristic being the same or different. And I'm, I can, I can, I just see them. I find a set of three cards really quickly. And Encrypted, it's a deduction game where everybody has a rule trying to find the location of the monster. And once you figure out everybody's rule by asking yes or no questions, can your monster exist on this space on the board? You can piece together that information to figure out what their rules are. And I can just, I can just see where they're placing their nose eliminate their rules really quickly. I I had to sell my copy because nobody wanted to play with me anymore. Something that I have found to counteract this that I I really liked is um, handicapping yourself. The game that I am absolutely the best at uh, in my collection is Quantum, which is an abstract strategy game about moving your dice around that are spaceships, trying to colonize the galaxy with your quote-unquote quantum cubes. It's, It's pretty abstract. 
At one point, I was ranked number 20 in the world on Board Game Arena. I'm really good at this game, to the point where I, I have to handicap myself if I'm playing with other people, but I do so because it's so much fun. I want I want people to still play with me. <laughs> I do not think there are any games I am too good at. I am looking at my stats, <laughs> and I'm seeing that I have a few games with 100% win, win percents, but they are mostly solo games or games that are cooperative, and I will always play with myself in terms of gaming. <laughs> so... I do not think there are any games that I'm too good at where people will not play with me. So if you want to play with someone who's going to lose all the time, please play with me. The game that I love the most that I have lost the most frequently is Dominant Species. Since I've recorded games in the last five years, I have zero wins of Dominant Species out of six plays, and I will always play Dominant Species. I also (laughs) have a very close second in Brass Birmingham, which is not one of my top favorite games, but as a game I enjoy, I have never won it, and I probably never will. <laughs> so I think you can be too bad at a game, but still enjoy <laughs> it. <laughs> so are there any games that you just you just lose so much that you're like, I don't want to play with that person anymore? Or have you ever experienced that part of this part of the issue? Then no, no. I think I I like playing games with people who are so good that they can beat me. I don't necessarily want to play a game where that person is so good at that game specifically, and that's the only game they play. But I do want to play games with people who are as good or better than me. Like, I, I like losing a game as long as I feel like I was challenged and like I did my personal best. And just maybe I just need to remind the people that I play with about that. Before I bring <laughs> before I bring content <laughs> to the table, <laughs> or you gotta find you know like a more competitive group for that game specifically. It's it's see I'm not competitive though. That's the problem. There's just there are just some games that I understand. Like that's just the way my brain works. I get it. Let's play this, and then it just ruins other people's fun. <laughs> I think you worry too much about people who have people having fun. That's that's the point of games. Destroy the people. <laughs> I'm going to destroy your 8-year-old niece. <laughs> <laughs> Look man, she loved it. <laughs> time for mail time the part of the podcast where we answer your questions and this question comes from our discord channel are board game boxes getting too big can they be too big please help i'm trapped inside my board game box (laughs) (laughs) man that just makes me think of those pictures that stonemeyer used to do of the cat in the box (laughs) (laughs) yes i do think board game boxes sometimes are getting too big especially when you get those big box or legendary box or The complete expansion, for instance, we just got the complete Everdell expansion, and that box is huge. Yeah, there's no way that's fitting on on your standard Kalax shelf. No, and it's really frustrating at times because you want to bring it to a board game night, but it's such a big box. And I would totally bring that not knowing if I was going to play it in a small box, but in a box that size... That's not leaving the shelf unless I know for a fact that we are playing. Okay, so for you, it's more of a, I don't want to lug it around. They're so big. <laughs> I think I think my main issue with like these complete boxes is they're designed to hold all of your expansions together. And you don't want to play with all the expansions all the time. Or in the case of Everdell, they tell you not to play with all the expansions. Right. Uh, I I ignore that. And Everdell <laughs> is a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> 
Right, but you definitely don't need all of that stuff all of the time. I mean, how frequently are you using Mistwood? That could stay in a box on the shelf until the rare occasion you want it. I still I still haven't you played Mistwood, have you? Not yet, not yet. Um, I feel the same way about Scythe. Like, since I got the Legendary box, I don't bring it as frequently. I don't bring it out as frequently. I still love it, but I don't get to play it as much. So I definitely think there is some drawback to putting everything in one big box. But at the same time, I love clearing off the extra boxes off the shelf. I'm wondering if the longer the game, the more I want everything contained in one box, expansions and everything. Because Scythe is not the kind of game I bring and say, oh, maybe we'll play this. If I'm lugging Scythe around, it's because we're playing it. Because the honestly, the original box of Scythe is not that small. <laughs> Everdell was manageable. It was a little bit bigger than your Ticket to Ride size box. Now it's oh good lord it's so it's, it's so big <laughs> it's, it's one of it's probably the biggest box I have I think biggest single box other than oh oh you know Frosthaven just arrived so oh I don't have that one that so I don't have that problem <laughs> that one's pretty big and tasty so is it because board games are getting too big or no this is mostly about expansions this is mostly expansions being contained it really is. You really got to decide to yourself, is this game that I'm going to try and get a box for? Is this a game that I like to bring and set up and and hope to play? Or is this a game that we decide ahead of time to play? If it's if that if it's that kind of game, get get the complete solution box. I think that's a good idea. But if it's if it's a kind of a smaller kind of a smaller thing that you pull out if you've got time and there's a lot of expansions for it, I, I, I wouldn't do that. I have uh, I have a different storage solution for Dominion. I I would not I would not keep every Dominion box. Oh my gosh, that would be my entire shelf essentially. So how do you store your Dominion? Uh, in a plain white card box deck, like you would for uh, Magic: The Gathering cards shoved under your bed. <laughs> I think that's really smart though, because keeping all those boxes is unnecessary and takes up so much space. But putting them into a filing system like that, where you can easily access them, I think that makes the game more approachable. I th- I like that, but for Everdell, I think the Everdell, the complete collection, is a smaller system than all the other boxes combined. At least, at least I think it is. I could go get the boxes. I'm not disagreeing with you, but <laughs> that box is bigger than any two Everdell boxes together. That's fair. That's fair. And since you can't, because Dominion, you can mix and max match all the expansions you want. I think since I've gotten the complete collection, I've only played with all the expansions. I've only played every Dell. I haven't, since I've put everything in that big box, I've only played with all of it together. As you should, since you've gotten too good at the base game. <laughs> uh, a game that I really wish uh, I had a big box for is Ankh. Ankh is the spiritual successor to Blood Rage. And I really, you know, I got all the expansions through the Kickstarter and there are just so many boxes and i just want them all in one thing so i i think there are benefits and drawbacks to the big boxes but i guess it's a matter of personal preference one of these days i'm gonna go all in on a simon kickstarter it's just that so many boxes is what holds me back (laughs) and that brings us to the end of another board game famous podcast thanks for listening and catch us again in two weeks If you want to join in on the conversation, you can join our Discord using the link below. Or you can look at some pictures we occasionally post on Instagram, also using the link below. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at boardgamefamous at gmail.com. 
And until next time, bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Bye, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>